Hi there. My name is Mike O'Mara, and uh, welcome to another episode of Community Conversations, uh, where we take this opportunity to talk to some of the movers and shakers in the community, I'll learn about uh, what's going on in the city of Concord and its uh, surrounding towns. And today we've got a very important discussion. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about mental health and um, our law enforcement community and, and how we're approaching some of the problems of mental health here in the city of Concord. So it really is my honor today to have uh, a couple great guests with us. I've got Chief Bradley Os Osgood of the Concord Police Department. Thank you for being here, Chief. Thank you for inviting us. And uh, from uh, Riverbend Community Mental Health, I've got Lisa Madden, who is the President and CEO. Did I get that right? I sure did. <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Excellent. Thanks. And. Uh, so Riverbend Health, um, for those who might sure. not be familiar uh, with it, uh, what is Riverbend? So Riverbend is the community mental health center that serves the greater capital, greater Concord area. We are one of 10 mental health centers in the state. And our, our job is to be able to provide supports and services for people living with mental illness. Maybe it is severe, maybe it is an early onset or even during this pandemic and what we've dealt with is some people who have had mental health struggles that they've never experienced before. Um, and we wanna be able to be there to provide them the appropriate treatment and supports to be able to uh, get in recovery and stay there. Excellent, that's a, a great resource to have in, in the city of Concord. And you know, oftentimes we've seen a lot in the news lately about the interface between law enforcement and, and those uh, suffering some mental health crisis crises and you know that has certainly been the case in in, in Concord that uh, with the pandemic and w with Absolutely. certain things going on mm -hmm. uh, that we see more more folks with uh, suffering from mental health crises right now so um, I understand really the Concord Police Department and Riverbend have, have started working together and so chief uh, you know how long has uh, the two entities been working together here in Concord? Yeah, it's a good question. So I've been in the city of Concord as a police officer since 1989. Um, and as a young patrolman in the, in the early 1990s, I interacted with Riverbend clinicians at the Concord Hospital or at the Pillar House at the corner of um, State and Pleasant Street um, frequently. Um, so there was always this partnership between the police and, and Riverbend. But since I took over as the chief in 2013, um, I began having quarterly meetings at an executive level with uh, the president and CEO of um, Riverbend. Uh, formerly, it was Peter uh, Evers. Uh, we would meet um, on a regular basis, um, and I and I'd meet with uh, Lisa on a regular basis as well, just to discuss this collaboration that we have. There's a lot of different moving parts in Riverbend. Right. And, um, and it's really good to have liaisons, um, you know, at the ground level that are communicating. And it's also important to have uh, yeah. the executives uh, working in, in partnership as well. Right. Uh, absolutely. You, know, you need your leadership and, and the boots on the ground really kind of working together on these things. And, and, and speaking with that, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the work that you do together. And we'll start with the boots on the ground. What... What sort of training is involved for the police officers that, that start engaging uh, with Riverbend and with, with folks that, that are suffering from some sort of mental health crisis? So it all begins at the police academy level. And at the police academy, the police officers are trained in, in how to recognize mental uh, illness and how to um, you know, de-escalate um, situations. I think Riverbend, um, 
you know, they're an important partner with us because it's that ongoing training um, that we, we can um, tap into their expertise. We've recently had trainings with the uh, forensic psychologist at the state hospital um, to recognize um, different um, mental health um, issues and signs and symptoms, if you will. Because we, right now we're, we're seeing a lot of methamphetamine use, which is a mm -hmm. drug issue. However, people that are under the influence of methamphetamine sometimes present as having or suffering from a mental illness. So um, there's an ongoing um, training and certainly um, from an executive level, Lisa and I have discussed different training topics that we can incorporate into mm -hmm. our uh, schedule. And Lisa, does it kind of go the <coughs> other way around too, that, that folks at, at Riverbend know how to interact with the, the police? Absolutely. We, are, we feel very privileged to have the relationship we have with the police department because there is a mutual understanding of the goal. The goal is to be able to address whatever's happening without anyone getting hurt and in a way that will get them the care they need if it's mental illness or uh, you know, in the correction system if that's what's appropriate. But what we've learned is that our ability to work together means that we can reduce um, the level of hostility that they may encounter, uh, the need to use force in situations, and we can be able to look at a person's presenting problem and see how much of it is related to mental illness or substance use disorder. That changes the direction of treatment and what we're able to do. And uh, doing it as a team, um, we've learned a great deal from uh, the, our colleagues at the police department. And it's clear they've learned a great deal from us because they ask a lot of great questions. And they're easily engaged in training opportunities. So we're really very grateful. That's fantastic. So, so you know, looking at this from from the perspective of somebody that's uh, 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 on the ground, somebody that's dealing with an incident, how would an incident be handled, and and does it kind of differ depending, you know, whether it's somebody out in the community or somebody that's already at at Riverbend? So, I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Chief. Like, how how would an incident be handled when it's it's obviously some sort of mental health component to it? So first of all, no two incidents are exactly the That's same. Right. I figured and, that. And, and, <laughs> and as an example, I'll give you um, um, an example of like uh, the mobile crisis unit that, that Lisa's uh, team has in, in our, our patrol officers. So we may get to a, a call where somebody's um, experiencing a mental health episode and we'll call Lisa's mobile crisis uh, unit and um, they'll either talk to the person over the phone or they'll make an appointment to come out or they'll just come right out to the, to the, uh, to the house or the residence um, and, and be able to de-escalate and work from there. So that when they, when they arrive on scene, the police kind of step off into the shadows, right? And so they're the experts, they're trained, they have the education and the experience to deal with um, or manage those, um, those clients. So that's, it, it, again, it, it could be that they get called first and they ask mm -hmm. us to mm -hmm. go with them. Um, it just depends. Right. Yeah. No, I, and I think that that's a really important point that the chief makes is that when we come on scene or if we are invited to come out, they do try to take a step back so that they can de-escalate the situation just from that presence alone and try to understand what is happening from a psychiatric perspective. There are times when we might go out from mobile crisis where they call our emergency line and we decide it's time we need to go out and help them on site. And we've realized that there's some risks levels there that we can't manage alone. And we would call them to join us and support us in that process. Um, but again, the intent is really all about de-escalation, identifying what level of care do these folks need. And a lot of the time we can resolve the situation in the community 
and they don't need to go into a hospital setting or they don't need to go to the emergency department, which is, of course is a big goal, right. is to not uh, have everybody come into the emergency department. Excellent. And, and for those who might not be familiar, what what is the mobile crisis sure. unit and, and how long has that been a part sure. of Riverview? So uh, we have been, we've had a mobile crisis um, response team in uh, Concord for several years. We were one of the first ones to be able to start it. And um, what the plan is for that is that if people call in are in crisis of any kind and there's the question of whether or not they might need to go to an emergency department for evaluation or into a higher level of care, what we first want to do is see if we can address it in their home or address it wherever they are and find a way to be able to get them the services that will keep them in the community and not need to go into uh, a hospital or the emergency department where they may be staying for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So there's a high percentage of these cases and the folks that are in distress that we can help them find a reasonable solution at the time that they call and, and we can avoid um, a higher level. The times that we can't is when we do have partnership with Concord Hospital and our teams are able to refer there and um, we already have some of the preliminary evaluation done and the team at the hospital will pick up. The opposite also happens. We have people that might come into the emergency department because they think that's the only place they can go. They can see that the level of care that they need is not an ED level of care, but they need something to deal with the immediate crisis. So we do um, have our mobile team that will work with them and we can have them back in the community. And right now we have this program called the Behavioral Health Crisis Treatment Center. And some of these folks have been able to go directly there, which has a, a peer support room and has some other support services. Um, and they are able to uh, kind of problem solve, put together a treatment plan, make sure that they're able to put together a safety plan and have people still remain in the community. There are some changes coming in the community with what the department is doing for mobile crisis. And I'm sure we'll speak about that momentarily, but we, we expect that we'll be able to continue to provide um, good continuum of care. That's fantastic. And I imagine that need to keep people out of the emergency room when it is possible has just grown since the pandemic has, it's, has started. It's very significant. I mean, there's, you know, we all know about times in which there's been upwards of 80 or 90 people throughout the state waiting for a higher level of care. Uh, for adults now, it tends to be in the area of about, uh, probably about 20, 15, 20. Um, but not, in some days it's down to about five or six that are waiting to get in. But the issue is the having access to that level of service and you know DHHS and the state is doing everything they can to expand access to supported housing, um, other options for residential treatment so that people that need that type of care can have it for the long term so that they can leave New Hampshire Hospital so people who are in acute crisis can get into New Hampshire Hospital. So it, it's really a whole system uh, change that's in uh, process right now in order to be able to meet the need of the community. That's great. And then, you know, I imagine after, you know, this initial crisis uh, visit with the mobile crisis team, with the initial engagement with law enforcement, that there's got to be some kind of, of follow-up uh, mm -hmm. following us. So I guess I'll start with you, Lisa, and then uh, right. please feel free to add on, Chief Oscar. But what does follow-up look like after well, I, I think, like the Chief had mentioned, there's ongoing meetings that happen just, um, that are just scheduled, predictable meetings. Uh, not only do he and I meet um, every quarter or more frequently, and we talk about what we need to on a high level to make sure that we are providing the resources the community needs. But our folks that are the clinicians and the patrol officers and the leadership on that level, they meet regularly as well and say, what went well in this situation? What didn't? What could we do differently? And what do we learn from it? And over the past several years, I think a lot of great conversations come out of that. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have a we have a, an, an expectation that if we call the mobile crisis unit, that this is the level of service that we're going to get. And if that doesn't happen, then we you know bring it back to the to the leadership so that we can discuss this and and, and find out why this was the way it was. And it could be. Um, that it was just a policy decision or, or, or what have you. Uh, but, I, but I truly believe that the success of the mobile crisis team not only is, is the hard work on the clinicians, but it's that collaborative, constantly talking either on a monthly basis and, 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 and really coming to a resolution on any issues that, that arise. Yeah, what's been really, um, I think, helpful for both sides of the conversation is that the, we can meet on any case at any time. If something happened and we need to problem solve it, we can just get together because the relationships are that strong, uh, that we know who to contact, they know who to contact, and we just get together and say, okay, what do we need to do? Um, but there's all, there, you know, there's a tremendous amount of respect between the two professions as well. Mm -hmm. um, we've learned a lot as clinicians about the challenges and the struggles and the stressors that you'll see the police department will encounter. Um, and in turn, I think that they've learned a lot about our efforts to support them by de-escalating and, and not having people uh, get so agitated that some type of force is needed. Right, right, and that, that is critical yeah. in this day and age, definitely. So, you know, I, I think you've already kind of touched on it, but I'll start with you, Chief Fosco. You know, how has this partnership changed or, or grown over the years? I, obviously, it seems like it's become more important, more critical to mm. the day-to-day, -day, but, uh, you know, maybe there's some specifics or even a, just an example of, of, of how an incident was handled when this first started to, to what's happening now. Yeah, so um, as I was growing up as a police officer, I knew Riverbend as a um, Riverbend Community Mental Health. And as I, as I began uh, getting into leadership positions with the police department, um, my, uh, the chief that I took over from, John Duval, he actually served on the board of directors at Riverbend. And when I took over, I was fortunate to um, also be selected to serve on the board of directors of Riverbend. And in that capacity as a, uh, on the board, you really learn all about Riverbend and the services are, are very, very in-depth um, in this community and not a lot of people um, you know, at line officers would, would fully understand the breadth of what services that they have. Um, I've partnered, uh, I um, was fortunate to be part of their strategic planning um, because as an organization, as, the, as a police department, we have goals. Every year we come up with goals and, and every year, especially for the past 10 years, our goals include homelessness, mm -hmm. they include uh, substance use disorder, and they include people um, suffering from uh, mental health. Um, and if Riverbend's not around, if Riverbend's not successful in their mission, then it's gonna make our jobs all the much right. more difficult. Right. And so I think it's really important um, that, you know, for the past, say, you know, close to a decade, police and, and fire has been yeah. on the mm -hmm. board. Absolutely. And they were, we're able to bring that, that experience back to our our leadership team, mm -hmm. and, and that filters down to the line officers. Yeah, that's a critical link. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have a very um, energized board that is very interested in making sure that we are a collaborator in the community, that no, no one does this on their own. Uh, so we, we have the police department, we have uh, fire department represented, we have other key stakeholders in the community, and they hold us to task in the right way. You're saying make sure we provide the community support that we need. and. 
you know, um, it's nice to hear that, that is, there's an appreciation for the depth of the services that we provide because there's all kinds of different mental health needs and we have programs specifically for substance use disorders. We also support the doorway, which is another big thing that um, the chief and his team would be interacting with and that's people dealing with acute uh, substance use disorder needs and they can stop in and get treatment and we can start the process of their recovery as well. And those are the folks that you may see, um, you know, finding themselves in a lot of legal trouble. So uh, our ability to work collaboratively in that regard as well keeps people safe and hopefully gets people treatment. And that's, that's great. And it, it really sounds like there's a lot of benefits to the community as a whole through the, you know, the, the partnership. But certainly, you know, as we've all had some challenges during the pandemic yeah. and challenges, you know, certainly with, with things that have gone on nationwide, whether in, in talks about law enforcement and, mm. and, and uh, about mental health and how we deal with mental health. What are some of the challenges that, that, that both of you see your organizations and your partnership facing? Um, so I guess I'd start with you, Lisa. So, so I think that, well, the pandemic has just been a nightmare for everyone. And, and you know, aside from the tragedy of the loss of life, it's also been so disruptive to everyone's world. So when you don't have your typical means of being able to have stress release or be able to enjoy some time, people's stress levels, their anxiety levels, and quite honestly, their anger level is pretty high. So that's, I think, we've seen some more incidents of people having outbursts that we, we're just, it's just exacerbated over the pandemic. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think one of the challenges that we are going to face in the very near future is the change to the mobile crisis structure within the state. So, and it's an opportunity as much as it may be a challenge. So it's, it's the state is investing um, in trying to transform the way in which emergency services are, man are managed. So instead of it looking like you have to go to an emergency department to get access to an emergency level or high level of care. Mobile crisis services will be available throughout the state. Currently there are three regions that have it, with Concord being one. Soon all ten regions will have mobile crisis. That will help people be able to receive services in the community and in fact, uh, you know, the Chief and I were talking about how we might be able to use our relationship to educate other community police departments and other places about how to work, how to work this together. That's how fantastic. to be able to do that because we've had a great experience. Um, so we have to adjust to that new model and the other impact that's going to have is as the entire nation goes to um, having 988 as the uh, emergency access for psychiatric needs, mm. it, it shifts how we, how we get in contact with each other. So um, you know, we were talking the other day about making sure that our link for communicating does not get so disrupted that we can't get immediate access to each other when we need to. So we have some of those things to sort out as this program evolves over the next year. Excellent. Chief, uh, some additional challenges you see? Well, I, I think even, um, you know, the whole COVID um, has really put everybody um, on edge. But even before COVID, you were hearing reports of people in emergency rooms that were waiting for placement or a bed. They were, they're in the hallways yeah. for days on end. Yes. And, yeah. and that yeah. is, shouldn't be happening, right? Right. Uh, and I know the governor stepped in when he found out about that, and you know he had some pretty harsh statements on that. But um, it's the capacity. Do we, do we as a state have capacity to treat um, um, our communities? And, and funding, it all comes down to funding. Yeah. Are we funding the community mental health um, services appropriately? Um, and so those are big challenges, um, you know, especially coming out of uh, uh, of a COVID pandemic and the way the economy is kind of fragile. Mm. That's true. So, you know, 
there are the challenges, but, but what do you see some of the biggest recent successes or successes that you think are, are, are really coming forward in, in yeah. that partnership? So, so I wouldn't hesitate to say that, you know, the communication and the relationship building that we've had with the police department over the past many years has, has allowed us to do the work that we're doing now and to take chances on doing some new things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the doorway for us was one, the crisis treatment center was certainly one, knowing we had their support. But I think that um, anything that we can do to continue to work collaboratively ultimately will um, positively impact our community and the person being served. Um, because again, it, it, as I said in the beginning, as much as we can do to de-escalate and reduce the need for a higher level of intervention, the safer the community is and the less stressful we all are. Um, so I, I still see there being lots of opportunity for us to work very successfully together. Same with our first responders who are, uh, you know, the ambulance folks and, and fire department. Um, it's been really a pleasure to be able to work with them and, and have their willingness to learn about mental illness and addiction and to not engage in judgment about these individuals, but to treat them with respect and dignity and to honor the disease that they are living with. That's amazing. And Chief? I'll give you two quick exa um, uh, examples of how this partnership has produced some sort of a success. But it, it, for our involvement with Riverbend and getting to know um, individuals at a higher leadership level at Riverbend, we were able to get um, them to help us craft a policy you know, for our police officers on how to manage people suffering from a mental health crisis. And so they're the experts. Um, and, and Sarah Gagnon um, graciously sat down on, on her weekend at home and uh, helped us uh, coordinate and write this policy. The second example that I'll give you, and uh, this was brought up by several officers uh, that were involved in the situation, but they had arrested an individual that it was a serious crime. It was a life-altering um, crime. This person was going to be uh, uh, probably you know, sentenced to jail or prison for a long time. Um, and when they had him at the Concord Police Station, uh, he began suffering, you know, certainly a lot of stress and a anger. Okay. And they were really concerned about his well-being and whether or not he was going to do self-harm. Mm. And they called the mobile crisis team, which didn't, ex you know, we think mm. of it as for the external out in the right. community. But they called the mobile crisis team to the Concord Police Station and let them manage that situation. And it was a win-win for everybody involved. That's, so that's amazing. Great. Right. That is amazing mm -hmm. that the partnership yes. has developed in such a way that on what might be considered home turf of, of, of yeah. the police that you brought in yeah. the professionals. That, that, that's amazing. Well, that mobile really is, is really mobile. Yeah. <laughs> wherever, wherever the incident is or wherever we need to go, we are able to do that with the team that we've developed. That's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That really is. So, you know, if I'm somebody that either wants to learn more about this partnership or what Riverbend does or what the, uh, the police department is doing, and if I want to help, is there any place I can go to either learn more or offer, offer help in these cities? Well, I would certainly invite people to go to our website, okay. which is, you know, riverbendcmhc.org. And okay. everything that we provide for services is identified there and how to access the different levels of emergency care, including mobile crisis is on the website. So I, I think you'll, you'll find a lot of information there. So we have community residents that call us frequently. Um, you know, they're looking for how, where do I get services for this? Where do I get services for this? Um, and we, ha we have all that at our disposal and a lot of it is with Riverbend. That's fantastic. And I suppose we, we should, end if if either I am or somebody I know 
is in some sort of mental health crisis, what should I do? Um, by all means, call for help. I mean, it, it, it's not something that we want somebody to try to resolve on their own. There are experts out there that can help you. Um, you know, and there's you can there's different numbers you can call. You can call the emergency number for um, for our organization at Riverbend. Certainly, you can call the police department. Two one one will get you connected with people. Um, but but reach out because there's a the ability to um, be able to offer support. And part of what we bring to the table is the ability to be able to assess the level of care that someone might need. So um, we're there. Treatment does work. We're ready to help. Uh, please reach out. Excellent. Anything to add, Chief Oscar? No, I'm all set. <laughs> Great. Well, I'd like to thank both of you for coming in today for this very important conversation. I've, I've learned a lot <laughs> about the partnership between your two organizations and really some very forward thinking um, work that is being done here in Concord as to how to deal with mental health and addiction and, and people basically suffering from the, yeah. the different diseases of, uh, of mental health. Yeah, and, sure. um, it's kind of heartening to, to learn that these efforts are, are being made. So thank you both, sincerely, both for the work that you do and for, for taking a moment to, out of your busy schedules to talk to us today. You're welcome. Thanks for letting us come in. Of course, anytime. Doors open here. So, All right, with that, um, we thank you all for tuning in this episode of uh, Community Conversations, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>